Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Your mobile devices and please, you know, lean in because, you know, there, there is much that I want to share and I'm going to really concentrate just in these few minutes and hopefully it will be a blessing to all of us. We're in this season, if you don't know, uh, for the next four, uh, four or five weeks of we get to, okay, we get to. And uh, it's a statement that we really believe is important to us as a church. It's not we have to. It's not that we've got to. It's that we get to. And it's from a passion. It's from a joy. It's from an enthusiasm to serve God and His kingdom. And there's a number of things we're unpacking that we get to do. Uh, One of the things that we want to hang this on was the disciples were massively impacted by watching Jesus in the temple. He went to the temple and they were, they were desecrating the temple of the Lord. They were changing money and it's not that people have an issue with, because some people have said to us, oh you can't have a coffee shop in your church, you can't have a bookshop in your church. It wasn't that. Their motivation was just to trade money and actually taking advantage of those who were poor. That's what they were doing. And Jesus was fed up with it And because of his passion and enthusiasm, he turned the tables upside down and the disciples were watching all this going on. And they remembered Psalm 69, where it talks about the zeal for God's house, it consumes us. And that's how they described Jesus. They said that Jesus was consumed with zeal. And that zeal is where we get the word entheos, enthusiasm. The zeal for God's house, the enthusiasm, the passion, the love for God's house consumes us and this is what we're hanging this phrase on we get to it's not from a drivenness it's not from a have to it's from we get to a joy a passion and what I want to lead us into because there's many we get to's but today I want to talk about we get to put God first now all the messages that we're going to hear are important but this is a foundational truth that all the others flow from Interestingly, David led us in his lead in that whole thought of surrender and just offering our lives once again to God. And that is in essence what I'm wanting to encourage each and every one of us to do. And it may be that you need to, from this moment, take some notes. It may be that you need to find a quiet space for the next 10, 15 minutes when you get home or as you get in the car. It may be, don't leave it longer than 24 hours, but where you once again offer your life to God. Because what I've realized is this, we get to put God first, but the reality is for many of us, he's not first, he's second, third, fourth, and fifth. And as we go down the pecking order, he actually goes down further. And I'm not uh, pointing anybody out because that has been the story of my life over a 40-year journey of faith. There's times when he's, he's been first, and then there's times when other things get in the way. Does this make sense? And somebody once told me, if he's not Lord Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And when we say he's Lord, but actually there are other things in the way, what we're actually saying to him, God, you're not first, you're second, third or fourth. And Jesus wants to be first. It's not, I haven't got time to unwrap it. It's not because we serve this egotistical God. That's not what it's all about. He recognizes that when we put God first, then actually everything follows. So here's the question which I do want to answer, even in this congregation. Because you would do well to ask the question, well, why should I put him first? That's a reasonable question. 
hear the preachers telling you to put God first, but the reasonable question is, well, why should I put him first? And simply, my answer to that is, because he put us first. He put us first. He put you first. He put me first. He put us first. You may say, well, what am I talking about? Let me just take you to two very well-known um, messages, and then we're going to get into the guts of the message. Is that all right? But I need to just address this. It's really important. We put him first because he put us first. You see, it could have been that God the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they could have decided amongst themselves, actually, they weren't going to send the Son of God to earth. In fact, we'll leave these desperate people on the earth because look at the hash that they've made of this earth. And they're not going to learn anyway. That could have been the attitude of God. It was never going to be so because God is love. And his love was always for his creation. And it was always for humanity because we're the pinnacle of his creation. I love birds. I love animals. I love the earth. But let me tell you, the pinnacle of God's creation is humanity. Because we're created in his image. And when God looked down, he said, we need a plan. And the plan of salvation is going to be my son. And it says in John 3.16, and you know these verses really well. I don't know how many times I've preached from this message. Because really deep down, I'm a, I'm a, I was going to say a rogue evangelist. I'm not a rogue evangelist. I'm, I'm a, I'd love to be a roving evangelist. I'd love to just go out. because, And I've preached this so many times. Because it says there, it describes the love of God. John 3.16, you know it. For God so loved, I love that little word so. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but we have eternal life. God put us first. He sent his one and only son, his precious son. Into the earth. I love what it says in Isaiah 53, verse 5. This was hundreds of years before Jesus actually came and he saw a prophecy. He looked down the line and saw this picture and he saw the Son of God. And these verses describe the pain of what Jesus took for us. It says in Isaiah 53, verse 5 Jesus was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. You know, some of the uh, depictions of, of Jesus in movies, some people have got a little bit upset with the passion of the Christ. If you've never seen it, I'd encourage you to watch it. It's quite gruesome. I, I love that film. I remember watching it the very first time in a cinema with a, about 300 other ministers. We walked out the cinema. There was not a word that was discussed. There was weeping. There was all kinds of things that happened to, 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 to men and women of God in that moment but here's the interesting thing it got slammed because it was too gruesome it wasn't gruesome enough because the bible tells us that actually we couldn't we couldn't recognize him he was unrecognizable because of the beating that he took for you and for i so let me just go there he was he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that was laid upon him brought us peace I love that, underline that. It brought you peace. You can have peace in God. It's one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to mankind, peace. If you've ever lived with turmoil, you know what I'm talking about. Because you never get free from turmoil. You never get free from it. When the peace of God touches you, oh my goodness. 
And then it says, and by his wounds we are healed. I really want us to believe in these days. And I, I just, you know, we can't manufacture this. But we see the promise there that God has paid the price for our sickness. Okay? And I really want to believe that in these days ahead, we're going to see a breakout, a manifestation of the power of God touching people. It's already happening, but I pray that it will happen more and more. But here we see a picture of God putting us first. Have you all got that? Just look up from your nose. God showed. He put us first. I've described it. He sent his one and only son. He laid down all the comfort and the splendor of heaven. Why? Because he says, listen, I want to give them an example of how they need to now put me first. Now here's the problem. We've got 20 odd minutes. Let's really get under the bonnet. Let's get in the weeds, okay? If we're a Christ followers here, okay, then we say that he is Lord of everything of our lives. But the reality is, as I've already confessed to you as a pastor, that isn't always the case. Because other things get in the way. And Jesus wants to be first, but these other things get in the way. And that's what I want to just work through today. And that's why I say maybe at the end of this service, maybe during through the day, you find a quiet space. And you once again say, God, I make you first in all areas of my life. Now, I've been reading through the Gospels. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 19, there's a story that Jesus tells us. And the story is around seed and where it's planted. And Jesus uses an agricultural example because he was talking to people who understood seed, seed time and harvest. They understood that you planted it. They weren't going to Tesco's. They weren't going to Sainsbury's like David's encouraged you to follow him and then pay for his bill, okay? Um, They they weren't the local shops. They were having to grow it or catch it, okay? And so Jesus knew that they'd understand this. And Jesus described the seed that was planted in different contexts amongst the rocky paths, amongst, amongst uh, shallow ground, and then in good soil. And Jesus tells his story. Those seed that's planted in good soil, it grows and produces a harvest 30, 60, 100 times. But I was really struck by Mark 4 verse 19. Because Jesus describes the soil or, or the place that the seed was being planted In verse 19, and he gives them now not just the context of rocky places. He says what those rocky places are. That's why I'm saying to you, because I've really reflected on it. This is some of the reasons why we struggle to put God first. Let's hit the screen, Daniel. Mark 4, verse 19. It says this. The seed is planted, but it's the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, And the desires for other things. That's what really grabbed me. The desires for other things. Whatever those other things are. They come in. (laughs) They come in. And they choke the word. Some people lovingly and jokingly have got hold of my neck and done that to me. To try to choke me. Faye, I think, would like to do that at times with me. But anyway. Choke me. But that's what's happening. Choking the word. It chokes the word. Making it unfruitful. 
Jesus identifies numbers of things that get in the way of him being first. Let me put it like this. Jesus is saying to us, listen, Belper, Arena Church Belper, the desires for other things, the worries of your life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the pursuit of it, they're coming in and they're choking it. And so that is why sometimes you've got preachers here who preach great words and they're planting seed, but what's happening is the word's being choked because other things get in the way. Does this make sense? Other things get in the way. And we, we receive it for a moment, but Jesus uses the example. It can't go deep because it's not got any roots. And so it dies. We've got to remove all these obstacles from our lives and put him first. And then the word is planted and it produces a fruit. I said it this way. The greatest enemy of a relationship with Jesus and putting him first is our selfishness. Let me just call it out as it is. I can't say it to you. I'm talking with me. Somebody said to me recently, one of the greatest things that you do as a preacher, Christian, is you're really, really honest. And I took that as an incredible compliment. I also took it that there's obviously other preachers who is sat under who aren't honest. But anyway, we'll leave that for a moment. But this is the point. I know there's been times in my life when I've lived selfishly. I know there's been times in my life when I've been greedy. I know there's been times in my life, this is as a Christian, when I've wanted material possessions and things. And these snatch away the word. So I can be in a message like this with a pastor, a preacher who's preaching his heart out and still I'm thinking about the things that I want to do tomorrow and the holiday I'm going to be going on and what about that car that I'm looking at and what about that interior decoration we want to do and all these things get in the way and the worries of life and they snatch away the word and they prevent us from putting God first. Let me now flick, uh, switch gear to another gospel, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to jump around, and I'm really pleased because I'm, I, I, I've said this recently. If we talk from the words of Jesus, we can't go wrong because the Spirit bears witness to it, and he brings conviction to it. I don't want to talk about the, the words of man. I want to talk about the words of the man, and these are the words of Jesus. So Jesus told that story. Jesus gave the, the example to it. Jesus is now saying this. So Matthew 6, and because of time, we're not going to go through it all, but it's interesting, verses 19 to 24. Matthew 6, 19 to 24, Jesus then tells another story, or another, he makes another statement. He says to them, and this is in the, the Sermon on the Mount, I'll come to that in a moment. This was on a mountainside, there were literally thousands of people listening and watching to him. They've never heard anything like this kind of teaching before, and it was probably the greatest message of all time. Forget Martin Luther King's speech, this knocks it into oblivion. Jesus tells us how to live our lives in these Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he finishes, by the way, you get this for free. He says to you, if you really want to build your life, build it on the rock. Because storms will come. And if you build it on sand, you'll be left wandering and you'll be out in the sea somewhere. But if you build it on the rock, the, the, the wind and the rain will come to you. But your house will still be stood. And he's talking about him being the rock. But not on Christ, the rock. So Matthew 6, 19 to 24, this is all in this message, is what, doing what I'm doing, preaching. And he says to them, don't store up for yourself treasures here on earth where moth and, wrath, moth and wrath, moth and vermin destroy. 
and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He's addressing this thought again about putting him first. He knew the issues of the first century church, these early disciples, was they were, they were worried about these things. And then he goes on to say, which it doesn't come on the screen, you have to just read through, uh, I think it's around 24, he says you've got to choose. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve money? Because you can't serve both. So Jesus addresses that, but where I want to take us to is actually verses 25 to 33. I say all that because he's leading us somewhere. Jesus is leading us. He's saying to the guys, listen, stop storing up yourself treasures here on earth. It's not about here. It's about there. It's about the life to come. Choose who you're going to serve, God or money. But they were still in this thing of, well, how are we going to get our needs met? So verse 25, Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, he then says to them this great statement. Therefore, I tell you, to come on the screen, verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Some of you here today are worrying about your life. And I get that, because that's where I've been. And we have to keep coming back to it, worrying about our life. What are we going to eat or drink? How are we going to buy the shopping? How are we going to pay the mortgage? What's happening with the kids? What, the cars broke down. What about my job? What about, lots and lots of things. Then he says, or about your body. What you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? He's talking to real people who've got real issues. Now before I move on, this passage from Matthew 6, 25 to 33, four times, which is pretty huge, four times in those few verses, Jesus says the phrase, do not worry or stop worrying. I'm not going to ask you because I know there will be some people, you don't want to uh, respond to it, but I know it will be true. If I said to you, who is worrying here in this moment today? You came in with worry. There will be some people. Because there's people who, we, we worry. We worry. And Jesus was talking to some worriers. Now, some of us are more naturally worriers than others. But the fact is we all Worry at certain times. And Jesus said, stop worrying about these things. Stop worrying about the things of, the li- of life. They'll skew your vision and priorities. Now I want to just take you somewhere. Because Jesus delivered this message, as I've said, on a mountainside. And uh, there were people around. But what people don't know is this. The place where Jesus preached this message was the crossroads for bird migration. I'm going somewhere with this. It was the, and when I said this to Ilkeston, I had to help the lads. I don't like this. But, you know, when I say birds, I'm talking about the feathered type. And by the way, birds are not women. Women are ladies. I had some people afterwards in Ilkeston come up to me and I had to chastise some of the blokes. They're not birds. Our wives are not birds. Can I hear an amen, fellas? They're not birds. They're ladies. We need to treat them as such. 
But Jesus here was in a place, not with the ladies. He was talking about the feather type. And at this point where he was preaching this message, it was the crossroads for bird migration. So swarms of birds would be in the air. And could it be that at the time when Jesus was preaching, there were birds that were migrating, crossing the skies as he preached? Why do I say all this? Because Jesus then goes on to say, in this message, you can read it for yourself, as he goes on to say, stop worrying, he says, stop. Look at the birds of the sky. Look at them. I take care of all those. (laughs) Think swarms of every bird. And Jesus says, I'm the one who looks after all those birds. I'm the one who feeds them. I'm the one who's taking care of them. Can you not see it? If I can take care of them, I'm going to take care of you. And then Jesus carries on because could it be that we're in a really nice time of spring, summer when the flowers were starting to just burst forth? Could it be that they were majestic and delicate and scented, resplendent in color and foliage without comparison? And then Jesus says, now guys, take your eyes off the birds and look at the flowers. Oh, I'm the one who dresses all those flowers. I'm the one who takes care of the earth. I'm the one who allows them to burst forth with color. And if I can do it for the flowers, I can do it for you. Have you got it? But you may say, well, that's enough. But then Jesus, oh, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to break the mic. But he drops the mic in verse 33. And before I go there, I was just sat preparing in the office and Bernie came in and as he often does and gives me a cup of tea and and I said, Bernie, where's this picture? He said, oh, it's just for David for the office. It's the exact verse that I'm preaching on today. Matthew 6, 26 and 33 and we've got a beautiful robin bird there that God takes care of. But verse 33, we we lean in and we would do well not just to have it on a wall, but have it in our hearts. Because this verse 33 is the verses of all verses. If you're new to faith, honestly, this, this is one that you can go to the bank with. This is the one that you can build your life upon. I am so glad that Caroline and I, we were introduced this to this verse um, 34 years ago. I know it's old-fashioned. We started courting uh, 34 years ago. We've been married 31 years this this year, which is remarkable. She does she does deserve a, a, a medal the size of a dustbin lid. She really does marry to me. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about because I know me. Um, but this verse probably has kept us on track. This verse has probably saved our marriage. This verse has probably... Um, caused me to just live with an under, an, a greater understanding. This, this verse has stopped me from worrying when I could have easily have worried. You may say, well, what is this? This is the verse that's a secret source. This is the verse of, I think of, not of all verses, but you understand. I could exaggerate. It's, it's an incredible verse. Let's put it on the screen. Verse 33. Jesus says, I've fed the birds. I take care of the birds. I've clothed the flowers. He said, you're worrying about the things of this life. He says, you've got to choose who you're going to serve. And then he drops the bomb. He drops the mic. He says this. Seek first. Seek first.
first. Seek first. Well, what are we meant to seek first? The kingdom of God. The things of the kingdom of God. The things that I've been talking about to you, guys. The things that I've been addressing on the mountainside. Seek first. Seek seek me. Seek the things of the kingdom and my righteousness, my virtues, my example. And then all these things. What are these things? What has been talked about will be given to you as well. Jesus said, if you'll seek me first, I'll clothe you. If you seek me first, I'll feed you. If you seek me first, I'll give you the opportunities that you need. may not be at the time you need them. And my experience of this, honestly, my experience of this truth has been, it may not have been the time when I needed it, but it was the time when I, sorry, when I wanted it, but it was the time when I needed it. And there's some knowing looks. It wasn't the time when I did this like a spoiled child. Okay, it was a time when God says, now, uh, there's some other things that I need you to understand. I'm going to take care of you up in the, until that time, but then I'm going to cause there to be a breakthrough. And it happens as we seek first the kingdom of God. This seeking first is to give God the priority and the priorities that he deserves. Can I just talk to you about what he's talking about first? First in any given time or place. First in rank, influence and honour. A chief who is first above all others. This is what he's talking about. Oftentimes though, we put him first and then we take it back. So we give him our time first and then we take back the time. And we say, no, that's my time. We give him our burdens and then we take back our burdens. We give him our needs and then we take back our needs. We give him our wants and we take back. Does this make sense? Because we want to take control and Jesus says, no, seek first. Relinquish it to me. Relinquish it to me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto us. Some people have said to us at times, Caroline and I, over this journey, they've said, do you really give 10% of your income? That's just one of the things. And do you really? I mean, do you really? Yeah. And these are people in the church and outside the church. Not that we talk to some neighbours who are quite clever in the things of very learned and they've asked me as we've been washing the car are you one of those people who give yeah really yeah yeah and you're toing and froing and you seem to be out a lot what you do well church stuff and and you you do that for church yeah what wow people ask the question And this is what it means to put God first. Now, I've already said to you, we're on a journey like you are. But we're seeking to put God first. We're wanting him in this driven, domineering world. And this world that tells us how we should be living and doesn't got a clue how to live. Okay, let me be clear. They tell us how to live and they don't know how to live themselves. This is how we're going to live. So we're going to put God first. We're going to put God first in our finances. We're going to put God first in our, in our time. Somebody once said it this way. We make God first in our time, treasure, and talent. So the time, because we, we get to. Our treasure, our resources. I'm not trying to, after anything, I'm just saying. We just give God first. I will say it. We didn't ask people to tithe and we don't ask people to 
to, to uh, sow into legacy. And, and I'm not doing it and Caroline's not doing it. We do it. I don't want to shout about it. You may say, well, you're doing it now. We'll just do it. We want to give to God because we get to give God. We get to put him first. And the little talent that God's given me, and I always feel like I'm a one-talent sort of guy, not really good at too much, but God, whatever I've been given, may I just use it well for you. Does that make sense? Whatever I've got, oh, you've been given the gift of the gab. Well, may the gift of the gab be used for God. (laughs) The problem is, let's put in God first. Can I be really honest with you? And I'm going to drop another Many compartmentalize their lives. So they have a home life, a work life, a family life, a leisure life. We've been asked how we raise four kids in the church and do all what we're doing. And for many, many years I was bivocational, so I was traveling up and down the motorway whilst leading the church. Lots and lots of things. And they always, particularly young couples, want to know, how did we do it? And we often say to them, no, we don't. And there's lots of books around there about compartmentalizing. I want to say, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it. I actually think the way to live your life is not through compartmentalization, it's through a priority. So let me say it this way. Many compartmentalize, but we should prioritize our lives before God. Do you not? I'll explain later, Siri. <laughs> and that would be the world's response. Isn't that interesting? That would be the world's response. I don't understand because it doesn't make sense. But as you put God first, it all makes sense. So we don't live our lives with compartmentalization. Compartmentalize, we live with prioritize. So our priority is always the Lord. It's always the Lord. I've been asked many times as a pastor. I've just got one other verse, and my time's nearly gone, but I do want to say this to you. As a pastor, well, what, what is first? Well, you know, your wife and family. and For me, it's, it's, it's always God. And then God flows from, it flows from that. Of course, I love my wife different to the way that I love my church. And I love my wife different to the way that I love you. But let me tell you, I love the church. And I love my kids. And I love my wife. And, and it just works. I don't separate say, oh no, this is Elliot's time. And of course, there's boundaries that you have. So I'm not run ragged. But that's not compartmentalizing it. Just a priority. So I have a priority of trying to have a day out. There's nothing wrong with that. To just refresh and a Sabbath rest. Does that make sense? But if there's some things that come up, I'm not going to say, oh no, I can't do that because that's me. No, no, no. I just, it works. As we seek God first. His righteousness, then all these things will be added unto it. And it's not from a position of, I have to, or I've got to. God, I get to put, I get to put you first in my life. How amazing. The God of the heavens is first in my life. One of my mentors, he's preached here, David Sherman. He said to me, Years ago, he says, you never come second by putting God first. You never come second by putting God first. So, can I just finish with these verses here? You may say, well, how do I do this? We could spend another 30 minutes. I'm not going to do that. I'll try and just land this in the next three minutes. 
Romans 12. We'll just read it, Daniel, so I stay true to the, 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 the message. So how do we get to put God first? Because there's got to be an application. What does this look like? This is what it says in Romans 12. This is the words of Paul, very, very wise man to church leadership and to life. He says this, God has shown you such mercies, brothers and sisters. Therefore, I ask you to offer up your bodies to God while she's still alive. A lot of people say, I'm going to do it when I'm, I'm just about to go. Just, it's best to do it when you're, while you're alive. And this will be a sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. And it's not a sacrifice like we've got images. We're going to lay Reuben on the altar. What does that mean? We're just offering his life to God. There's nothing else. We see Old Testament pictures. It's not for physical death. It's our own spiritual death. We just say, actually, I die to myself. Does that make sense? No longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And he says, this is the right kind of worship to offer to God. And he says, don't live the way the world lives. He's addressing it. Sorry, I don't understand that. They don't understand it. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. We're not talking about brainwashing. We're just talking about marching to a different beat of a drum. And by the way, Jesus is leading us. I'd much rather be led by Jesus than I would be the media, Sky TV or whatever, or a politician. I want to be led by Jesus. And then the wonderful truth of this is some people are just trying to figure out. A young guy came to see me recently. He says, I feel lost. I don't know where, where I'm going in life. And, da, 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 da. And, I, and I said to him, you need to look at Romans 12. Offer your life to God. Just simply trust in him. And then he will make his plan, which is good, pleasing, and perfect, known to you. That's <laughs> how I've sought to live my life. If you want to break it down any simpler, we've got another verse, haven't we, Daniel? To put it on. He's such a fantastic help to me. Thanks, Daniel. Romans 12. In the message. Let me break it down even more. And we'll finish with this. It says, Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I probably didn't give it you, Daniel, so I'm sorry. Let me say it again. Take your, so how do we, how do we put in first, take your everyday, not your Sunday, your everyday. Anybody live at times an ordinary life? Well, all our hands should be up. This is the problem. If you follow Instagram too much, everybody has an extraordinary life every day. It's, you know what? It's rubbish. Ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life as Julie's doing her aerobics and whatever she does, that's how she's able to jump around as much as she does. Place it before God as an offering. This is how it works for me. God, I give everything and everyone to you. In this day, I give everything and everyone to you. Will you walk with me? Will you help me? Will you show me? These are my prayers. You may say, that doesn't sound very, very, you know, holy and all. That's pretty much it. God, just walk with me. I want to live for you. I want to please you. And the amazing thing is, God takes it because it's the kind of offering that's pleasing to God. We have to empty ourselves 
of what we've been filled so that we may be filled with what we've been empty of. And some of us are filled with the wrong stuff and we need to empty ourselves of all that we've been filled so we can be filled with what we've been empty of. So I would encourage you to invite the Lord to be the Lord of your life, to embrace this union, yield to his commands and teachings that are in the Bible, obey his voice, and serve his plans which are God-pleasing and perfect. I'll give this as an example. I was once talking to a pilot years ago. This is a well-known truth and you'll know it. Anybody like, here like flying? I really like flying. And this pilot said to me, you only need to be just a few degrees, one or two degrees off, and then over time, it could be a matter of an hour, a matter of two hours, the further your distance, the further it'll be. You're only just one or two degrees off, minute. But instead of being in, I'm going to be extreme now, instead of being in India, you're in the Philippines. I know that sounds, I haven't got a clue on the job. You get the point. You think you're going there, but you actually end up there. And it really struck me in, in Christian life and Christian discipleship. You can say, well, Jesus is first in majority of things, but there's just one or two areas where I just like, I, that, that's mine. As you walk the journey, you'll end up being quite a way off from where God really wanted you to be. I want to encourage all of us to make the adjustments. For some of you, it may be an overhaul. Because actually you were traveling there and your degrees is taking you over there. You've got to do a massive shift, overhaul. For others, it might be a little tweak here or there. Whatever it is, I just want to encourage you with this thought. We get to put God first. I want